Good evening. It's 8.45, and this is Quietly Yours. listening to Quietly Yours, but you already knew that. What you might not know is that tonight's episode is part of a special series called Campfire Tales, which explores folklore and urban legends by placing us right in the middle of a campfire gathering, which is usually the warmest part. Our four friends are going to tell us five stories across five nights, with some listener submissions thrown in for good luck. Yes, that means you're getting five episodes of Quietly Yours this week, but if you're one of our supporters on Patreon, the whole thing is already available for you to listen to right now. This version of Campfire Tales also includes exclusive bonus stories that you can't hear in the standard version. So if you're not yet a supporter, but you want to get your hands on those exclusives, as well as our usual goodies for patrons, you can sign up at patreon.com quietlyyours. But enough of that, let's see what our campers are up to. So this is a story about a woman, I'll call her Jill I guess, who moves into this new house with her young son. She was a realtor and a pretty successful one, so it was this lovely big house in a really nice neighbourhood and she was thrilled to be there. There was just one thing wrong with it. Alright, here we go. So it's haunted. <laughs> what? Okay. No. Oh, well, okay fine. Not exactly. It was the house across the street. It belonged to this old woman. I'll call her Mrs. Hadley. Uh, well, Mrs. Hadley was a little bit odd, would be an understatement. Jill would sometimes glance out the window on an evening and catch sight of the house across the street, and, and Mrs. Hadley, or her silhouette at least, would be stood in the window, completely still, as though she was a statue, lit only by candlelight. Every other night this seemed to happen, and each time she would be in a different room of the house, almost at random, never moving. At first, Jill dismissed it. She thought it was some weird quirk that she'd got the wrong end of the stick. At least that's what she tried to tell herself. That she didn't know exactly what Mrs. Hadley was doing, but she was sure there was some kind of explanation. She just didn't know it. I mean, I suppose she could have walked over there, knocked on the door, told Mrs. Hadley what she'd seen and asked her if she's okay. That's not what she did. I mean, I mean, you can't really blame her. I get chills just thinking about this story. If that were me, if I was actually there, I don't think I'd want to talk to Mrs. Hadley either. So what did she do? So she decided one night that she would try and catch her out. She'd only ever seen this in glimpses, you know? She, she never saw Mrs. Hadley leave, never knew what she was doing when she wasn't looking at her. So she decided to wait it out one night. When she next spotted Mrs. Hadley at the window, it was the living room window, I think, she pulled up a chair and sat and waited. She figured Mrs. Hadley would have to move eventually, and she would catch her when she did. And what happened? Did she move? No. 
She just stood there, completely motionless, just like always, staring out the window until the candle burned down and flickered out, and Mrs. Hadley's shadow faded into the darkness and vanished. Jill started asking around after that, as I suppose anyone would. She spoke to some of the locals to see what they knew about Mrs. Hadley. It wasn't a complete mystery. She'd lived in that town her whole life, so she had plenty of people she knew there. Turns out she was born barely a mile down the road from where she now lived. Grew up in the 1930s. She had a pretty normal childhood. She was a pretty normal teenager, met a pretty normal man, and they got married when she was 20, which I guess is kind of young, but you know, this is the old days when everyone got married young and they could just buy a house with a click of their fingers, which is how they ended up there, in this house across the street. Well, from then on, everything was pretty much fine, for a few years at least. They lived together in wedded bliss, and eventually they had a son. By all accounts, Mrs. Hadley was, you know, a lovely woman. She was actively involved in the church, she had loads of friends that she'd see every day, she got involved with all the local activities. And then one day it just fell apart. There was this accident in the house, no one seemed to know what it was. All they knew is that the boy died. How can they not know? What? If they've lived there their whole lives, and know pretty much everything about this woman, then how can they not know what accident caused their son to die? <sighs> okay, okay, right. I guess they probably did know. I just can't remember, okay? I'm not a walking encyclopedia. Anyway, the point is, the boy died, and Hadley's lives started to unravel. Mrs. Hadley became increasingly reclusive, and Mr. Hadley drank more and more with each passing day. And the years passed, and the situation just seemed to get worse and worse. Mrs. Hadley barely seemed to leave the house anymore. Mr. Hadley was downing a whole bottle of whiskey a day, if not two. And then it all hit the fan one day when Mr. Hadley finally drank himself to sleep for the last time. What? He died, Karen. It's, it's, it's a poetic way of saying he died, Jesus. Like, I'm just trying to add some creative flair to the story, and he choked on his own vomit. Isn't quite the ambience I'm going for. Okay, okay. Okay, so he died, right? <clears throat> he died, and no one ever saw Mrs. Hadley leave the house again. She must have been leaving, though, for food, if nothing else. Uh, okay, I suppose she must, yeah. It's, it's not like she starved to death or anything. We're talking decades before Jill moved to town, and she's still clinging on to life at that point. But anyway, so this brings us back to the present. Jill's found out about all of this, and needless to say, it didn't make her feel any better knowing Mrs. Hadley's tragic backstory. If anything, she became a little bit obsessed. She would go out of her way now to peer over the house across the street, and sure enough, most nights Mrs. Hadley was there, like a shadowy statue in the windows. But the more Jill watched the house, the weirder things got. She would notice that the lights in the house often flickered, but in a way that seemed so intentional. For a while she thought it looked a bit like Morse code. She even tried to decipher some of it, but it was just gibberish. Only not random. There were clear words being spelt out, things like door and chair, but that was it. It was completely nonsensical. One time, Jill looked out the window and saw what appeared to be Mrs. Hadley standing on the roof of the building. Completely still, as always, just a shadow of a silhouette framed dimly in the moonlight. And then she fell from the roof, three storage, right to the ground. For a moment she was still. And then she started to move, her limbs bending ways they shouldn't, her body completely broken, but still moving. 
as she stood up and she limped towards her door, disappearing back inside the pitch dark house. No light came on, the house stayed dark. And that was it for the rest of the night. But the worst was yet to come. Jill was walking her son home from school one day when he stopped outside the house, looking directly over at the Hadley house and waving at it. Mrs. Hadley wasn't there though, no one was. So, what are you waving at? Jill asked her son. His answer? I'm waving at the elves in the house. Now, that creeped Jill out, but it wasn't too bad. Kids have big imaginations, you know, and they say stupid things sometimes. But a few days later, Jill found her son drawing in his bedroom and she had a look at his work. And on one of the pages, he'd drawn these strange little figures, like small animals, black all over, with small skinny legs and arms, red eyes, two pointed horns on the top of their heads. I drew the elves, he told his mother. Well, that sent a chill down her spine, and from that day on, she made a point of never looking at the Hadley house again. She wanted nothing more to do with it. If she had to walk past it, she'd look the other way. But of course, it was never going to be that easy. Mrs. Hadley was found dead a few weeks after that. She'd hanged herself, and that put the house on the market, and it fell to Jill to try to move it. Now, by the time she saw the inside, it had all been cleaned and refurbished. It looked brand new, but it still gave her the creeps. It wasn't long before she found a family who were eager to move in. Now, she told them what happened to Mrs. Hadley. Obviously, she had to do that, but they didn't mind. Not really. Ghosts aren't real, after all. Well, that was the end of it. After Mrs. Hadley died, the weird things stopped happening and the new couple moved in and everything went back to normal. If that's actually the end of this story, then we need to have a talk. <laughs> okay, shut up. Of course it's not the end of the story. Every okay, so everything was fine for like three weeks or something. And then the new family's son died. Some kind of electrical accident or something. It, it, it had been a long time now since anything spooky had happened. But when Jill told her son about the accident, he looked her dead in the eye and he told her he already knew that Zeke did it. The parents' lives quickly unravelled and they moved out of the house pretty quickly, leaving it empty again. And poor Jill, she had to start showing the house again. But it was harder this time. So many horrible things had happened there. And when she was showing this lovely young couple around, she just couldn't bring herself to tell them about it. I guess she thought it wouldn't make any difference. She was in denial, maybe, that anything strange was happening. I don't know. But the new couple moved in, and once again, everything seemed to be fine. Until a few weeks later, when this woman turned up dead in her bedroom, having been brutally stabbed 16 times by her boyfriend, who'd now completely vanished. Now that was the last straw. Jill was on the verge of losing it. She knew something strange was going on with this house, something not natural. She just couldn't shake the feeling that the house was somehow causing the accidents, the murders. There was the Hadley child, then Mr. Hadley, and finally Mrs. Hadley herself. Then there was the new family son, now another. Too many deaths in one house for it just to be a coincidence, right? No, it had to be the house. The house was causing it somehow, and Jill had to do something about it. So, she went over to this house one day. She didn't even wait for dark. She was so desperate to have this over and done with. 
It was on the market again, so she had a set of keys. And she let herself in, and she slowly and methodically doused the building in gasoline, lit it on fire, and hurried back to her own house. She was quiet and careful. She didn't want to be caught. If she did, she'd lose her job, probably go to prison. God knows what would happen to her son. But it had to be done. People were dying, and she had to do something about it. Once she got home, she poured herself a glass of wine and downed it to calm her nerves. She was a wreck. I, I suppose anyone would be after committing arson. But that's when she noticed the sheet on the kitchen table. It was one of her son's drawings. Well, not a drawing, but a note, scribbled in his messy handwriting. Well, what did it say? Mum, gone to play with the Zeke. See you later. This listener story comes from Leanne, who has quite a tale to share. When my half-sister was born, my stepmom had problems with the baby monitor. This was about 10 years ago, when baby monitors were just a one-way walkie-talkie, so there was no way it was being hacked. My stepmom was hearing footsteps and voices over the baby monitor when nobody was in the room with the baby, and, at first, she assumed that the monitor was picking up the signal of another baby monitor in the area, so she showed it to her brother. He said the signal strength wasn't really strong enough for it to pick up more than next door, and neither of the houses on either side had babies, so no reason to have baby monitors. But it continued, and my stepmom was pretty sure that that was the explanation. After all, what else could it be? One day, my sister was asleep upstairs, and my stepmom was in the kitchen with the baby monitor. My sister started crying, and my stepmom was about to head upstairs when she very clearly heard, through the baby monitor, a woman saying my sister's name. My stepmom, knowing this must mean that someone was in my sister's room, ran upstairs, but nobody was there, just my sister. Everyone told her that it must be someone else on the same frequency, but we didn't know anyone in the area who shared my sister's name. Another time, my stepmom was in the garden, when she heard my sister grizzling through the baby monitor, but not yet crying. A woman's voice started to sing to her. My stepmom tried to look through my sister's bedroom window, but couldn't see anyone. Then my sister started to cry, so my stepmom went inside. As she was climbing the stairs, she heard the woman on the baby monitor say, It's okay now, mummy's coming. When my stepmom got to the bedroom, nobody was there, but the rocking chair was rocking by itself, although the windows were closed, and there was nothing near it that could have knocked it. Well, that's all for tonight's episode, but we'll pick up where we left off tomorrow when Campfire Tales returns for another episode. If you want to let us know what you think of this mini-series so far, please do. You can get in touch with us via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Tumblr. Our handle everywhere is quietlypodcast. You can also email us at quietlyyours at daffodillies.co.uk, and as always, you'll find our website at daffodillies.co.uk slash quietlyyours. Don't forget that the full version of this episode is available on Patreon, and includes stories that you can't hear anywhere else. To get your hands on those bonuses, head to patreon.com slash quietly yours. So, 
until tomorrow, I am quietly yours, and you are quietly mine.